2: Welcome to another edition of Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We are back here in Oxnard, Haley Sutton, and I'm so excited to be joined alongside Christy Scales, uh, You're two sideline reporters, by the way, for the upcoming That's game right. on That's Saturday. Right. Christy has you covered on the radio. I've got you covered on the television side. Uh, but Christy, before we get there, there's so much that we have to talk about. And I want to start with Saturday's uh, big scrimmage. It was obviously a big spectacle for the public to come out and, you know, get to see the the Dallas Cowboys and what they'll look like in 2023. I was out of town for a wedding, but you were there, so I want to go to you first. What stood out to you about Saturday's Well, it scrimmage? was a great
3: crowd. There was a lot of energy. Micah was still destroying everything in the <laughs> offensive backfield. But what stood out was uh, negative, and that was the atrocious field goal kicking. So in the Not session, <laughs> no, yeah, it was really bad and cost one of the uh, younger players here. His uh, his job as Tristan Viscaino was uh, released yesterday, and Brandon Aubrey has won the open kicking competition for now, we're going to talk more about that as we go along but missing five out of six uh, between the two kickers that was a real negative but some of the young guys that still continue to stand out uh, Jalen Brooks the rookie receiver just another outstanding yeah uh, I love Jalen Brooks yeah just doing well Mozzie showing off his strength Uh, that that was uh, really good and then uh, young guys like John Stevens and the like so Uh, Deuce Vaughn is obviously the fan favorite of (laughs) camp. So uh, all the fans here cheering his name. So there were a lot of positives. It was just kind of a pall over the uh, whole day just because of the negative uh, kicking situation that day.
2: Let's start there because it's, it's interesting to me. This is the second straight year where the Cowboys have had an issue with the kicking. And you've obviously been at this facility several times. Is there something about kicking here at this field that affects them or what is it about struggling to win a kicking job here it is a
3: little more difficult here because uh we don't always feel it at field level but um it gets breezy and so if you're if your field goals are are higher than uh the the wind can play with it but these misses couldn't really be blamed on, on that. <laughs> Trying to give him a bit, one, bit of one, one, was off, one was off the right upright, and uh, the uh, others weren't really close. And it's really bad when you're getting a Bronx cheer from the fans uh, when you finally make the uh, final one. But um, I think it it's just so similar to last year where uh, you had two relatively unproven guys, one, definitely unproven. Just a reminder, when we opened training camp last year, the two kickers were the rookie from Texas Tech, Jonathan Garibay, and then uh, Liram Hiralahu, who who had kicked in the CFL and was a a journeyman and had been with uh, some NFL camps and had been with the Cowboys previously. But, um, yeah, and then they ended up signing Brett Maher on August 9th after a workout because it was not going well between the two more untested guys and but I think what's different this year is they want Brandon Aubrey to have as many kicking opportunities as possible uh, not just in the preseason games not having to share those but even here at camp sharing those reps so uh, I know a lot of fans are thinking oh they're going to bring in a veteran right away and I really see it more as they're going to give Aubrey a a chance to prove himself through the remainder of at least this portion of camp and certainly in the preseason games. And while I know that any time we're watching a football game, we're not rooting for the offense to stall in the red (laughs) zone or stall when they get, you know, in the – Plus forty, But seeing uh, extra field goal opportunities and uh, also seeing how Aubrey does on the kickoffs, I think is important uh, during preseason.
2: I agree. I think it's challenging. I mean, I, and I know it's the nature of the job, right? Everybody's here trying to win a spot, whether it's a starting spot, whether it's a roster spot, special teams, whatever it is. But to your point, it is challenging when you're kicking and, you know, you only get so many kicking opportunities here at practice and then in games are limited. So I think it'll be good for Brandon to, you know, kind of hone in on being the guy, at least for right now, Mm -hmm. give him that experience to, you know, get a feel for what it's like to be the starting kicker. And something that I didn't know about him, I looked into his stats a little bit more yesterday. He was fantastic in the USFL. He missed one field goal, uh, was perfect on all his PATs, so I'm sure that was music to Jerry Jones' ears, especially after last season. Um, So, yeah, I think he brings a lot to the table. And it's really the word of Chris Boniol
3: that uh, carries uh, the weight. And uh, I know Fossil said that he'd been, John Fossil, the Cowboys special teams coordinator, they've been following him through very intently through probably the midpoint of the USFL season, I believe he said, but um, I mean, it's an inspiring story, a hometown guy, that would be great, but mm-hmm. I'd like to share uh, one statistic that I think is super, super important, because in a, in a league like the NFL, where the talent is pretty even, yeah. you know, across the board, maybe not at certain positions, but, uh, you Overall. know, <laughs> through all 32 teams, but it's a razor-thin margin, and it's usually just a few catalytic plays that uh, determine the outcome of the game last year in particular the margins were razor thin so last season throughout the NFL how many games do you suppose were determined by three points or less the year before it was 23 percent okay last year it was higher I was gonna say I would guess 30 27. Five. Okay. Yeah, so yeah that's a little, a little high, 27. <laughs> uh, it, actually, if, by seven points or less, it was actually 52%. Okay. So one score, games, eight points. Uh, eight points would be one score, right, with a two-point conversion. Info. So f- uh, 58%. So, uh when you have 27% of games decided by three points or less, interestingly, the Cowboys only had uh, two games that were decided by three points or less. One of those was the overtime loss at uh, uh, Jacksonville. Yep. I'm sorry, that was six points. It was the uh, loss at Green Bay. Um, that, uh, you know, just shows you what it it can be the difference between making the playoffs. It can be the difference between winning your
2: division. Yeah. Or- continuing on in the playoffs absolutely absolutely Um, i thought it was interesting too uh how jerry kind of backed everything that we're talking about you know how he gets involved in the little media scrums after practice Uh, but he kind of said that yesterday he said you know we're leaning more towards sticking with the younger guys we want to give brandon an opportunity um so i'm excited i'm excited for him as the soccer the resident soccer player for the dallas cowboys i'm really excited to pick his brain and kind of talk about his soccer background and getting drafted and playing in the MLS, I think, is really exciting, yeah. too. It just makes him more of an interesting character.
3: Well, I asked him yesterday. I said, is there an analogy between kicking a field goal and a, a penalty kick in soccer? And he's like, yeah, you know, it's just you and the ball and the the target. And maybe when you're just by yourself kicking off the, the little tripod thing, yeah. but when you have 300-pound men coming at you. <laughs> A and, different. Yeah, 200-pound guys <laughs> flying off the wing and trying to block it, plus the operation, you have 1.8 seconds uh, for uh, that's kind of the goal for an NFL operation, 1.8 seconds from the time it snapped, from the time Brian Anger catches it, places the ball, and when uh, the foot strikes. So it's like that. Much faster. And just uh, – three-tenths of a second means that the guy has enough time to come around the edge and make the block. So uh, (laughs) yeah and as great as he did in the USFL I think uh, some of that speed coming around the corner might be a
2: little higher in the NFL. Little different for sure but we are excited for Brandon Aubrey. Let's wrap up this first block kind of continuing on that trend with some of the younger guys. Um, Mike has mentioned over and over and over again that the blend of old and new is going to be imperative for this season especially when you have a lot of younger players who are going to be asked to do a lot more than what they probably are expecting um so you mentioned a couple of guys from Saturday's scrimmage that stood out to you uh recapping that game Demarvian Overshone is a guy who jumped out to me had those two interceptions one that into practice um what have you seen out of him and you know kind of how do you see him fitting into this team is he a special teams guy or do you think he has a shot on the defense oh, yeah.
3: oh he will he will have to play special teams if uh I I'm sure, uh, unless there's some kind of injury, you know, third-round pick. He'll he'll be on the 53-man roster, and he has played well uh, here at, at training camp. But it is interesting to see the way that Dan Quinn is is using him. He's not playing necessarily that traditional linebacker role. They're having him match up uh, there uh, with the tight ends. And, and I'd love for you to talk about uh, your trip to ARP, Texas, and yeah. uh, if you haven't seen it yet on DallasCowboys.com, Haley put together a great package of DeMarvion. It was the day before leaving for camp?
2: It was. Uh, so I, when I first saw that we drafted DeMarvion, he's a player who – I'm a Texas fan. I'm not afraid to say that out loud. So seeing that we were able to get a Longhorn on the roster, it was really exciting for me. Um, I didn't know much about DeMarvion except for, you know, when we drafted him and his thank you video was him in a cowboy hat, cowboy boots, the whole garb, the whole getup. And so then getting to talk to him, kind of looking into his story more, I'm like, oh, he's a small-town kid. I'm a small-town kid. We can connect over that. Um, so when he came in for rookie minicamp, I pulled him off to the side and just kind of was chatting, getting to know him, asking about his small-town roots and out of nowhere, I just said, can we come to your hometown? And I think it kind of caught him off guard a little bit. He's like, come to my hometown. I was like, yeah, I would love for people to understand, you know, the, the analogy of him being a cowboy growing up his whole life. And then he goes to a school like Texas where their mascot is a longhorn and agriculture is very big there. Uh, and then gets drafted to the team that he's grown up watching, grown up loving his whole life. So we ended up, Running a little short on time, we scheduled the interview day for Saturday before we left for training camp. So, essentially, it was the Saturday before he was going to drive up to Frisco to then fly out here. Um, But we got up really early. It was me, uh, two of our awesome people on the creative team. We had our writer, Nick Harris, come out with us. uh, And we just spent the day in ARP. And it was really, really empowering I think is the best way to describe it to see you know his roots to see why he is so polished when we get a chance to speak to him why he is so caring why he is so giving Um, he's surrounded by a community that wants nothing more than to see him be successful and has had a hand in him being successful and to have a player as young as Overshone is to recognize that it takes a village for him to be here and all he wants is to give back to that community, to let people know who ARP is. Uh it was really humbling. It was really exciting getting to meet his family and meet his horses. I'm terrified of horses by the way. I want to put that out there. Um you so just well in the video. <laughs> so just he well he helped out a lot, you know, just the introducing me to his culture and how he grew up and all of that. Um, it was really exciting and I'm just glad that everybody gets an opportunity to see that side of him yeah, because and, he's an awesome football player
0: yeah, but. and
3: great family what four generations of yes. the family there yeah and get to see them all together and they're so proud yeah and he's so proud of them and representing his, his hometown so.
0: yeah
2: it's definitely a pride thing and you can tell like everywhere we went it was so funny we um we hopped in his car and he was kind of just giving us a tour of ARP he was pointing out different things mm-hmm. and the one constant was he drives a big green pickup truck like bright electric lime green and every time we would drive by somebody, you would see them wave, <laughs> and he would do the wave. We pulled into the downtown, and he'd wave. We were at his high school, mm-hmm. and all these kids kept coming up to do their summer workouts and just getting to right. see him before he left. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really important part of being uh, a football player, and yeah. especially in this year or this generation. Oh, I, guess. I just thought of something
3: with that pickup. I think you should do it next year, but add in some carpool
2: karaoke since James
3: gordon is oh, gone and not yeah, doing that anymore. Been that would fun.
2: be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it would have been fun. Uh, But yeah, I definitely, like I said, I was really humbled and really honored that he allowed us into a space that, you know, we know how we are with our families. I don't know if I would allow a camera into my home and he allowed that. So um, I'm really grateful to that. And again, just excited for people to get to see arp and see where he came from yeah yeah please take a look i think every all the fans will really enjoy it and have a new appreciation for demarvian definitely Mm -hmm. all right well let's go ahead and take our first break when we come back we're going to get more into preparation for the jacksonville jaguars coming up on saturday here on girls talk boys talk
1: at jigsaw dating we obviously want the cowboys to bring that sixth ring home but to be honest we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger 6266. That's 844 326 or go to MyBariatricSolutions.com.
0: We know that juicy, cheesy, grilled-to-perfection burger sounds amazing, but it does sound like something is missing. Pepsi, baby! The yin to this burger's yang. Burgers and Pepsi go together like... Well, like burgers and Pepsi, this perfect blending of flavors makes every bite of lettuce, every sesame seed on the bun, and every sip of that crisp, refreshing, ice-cold cola a journey to Foodopia. Burgers better with Pepsi. That's what I like.
1: <sighs> Hi, I'm Danny McCray, Dallas Cowboys alumni player here with Smoothie King, and Smoothie King wants to ask you, what's that sound? <laughs>
2: That's the sound of you and everyone else absolutely loving new smoothie bowls from Smoothie King. And woo, me too. These smoothie bowls start with acai and Pattaya, and are handcrafted
3: with fresh toppings like sliced bananas, sweet berries, crunchy purely Elizabeth granola, and a savory peanut butter drizzle. New smoothie bowls, only at Smoothie King, the official smoothie of the Dallas Cowboys.
2: Welcome back to Girls Talk Boys Talk presented by Jigsaw. Want to join the NFL's first and only high energy coed dance team and drum corps? Dallas Cowboys Rhythm and Blue Drumline auditions will take place at Next Step Dance at the Star in Frisco on August 27th at 2 p.m. For more information and to register, you can visit DallasCowboys.com slash DCR&B. And Christy, you know better than I do. but. I love those dancers. They they did yeah, it.
3: Yeah, and the drum line. My husband played drums in uh in high school. Do okay. you think he should maybe I should maybe. get him out there and then we could be at the game together yeah, on exactly. game days. So <laughs> No uh, yeah, and uh Jenny Durbin, you know, they do a great job. D C yeah. R and B. I know you've done a lot of a uh, Vince with them this summer, and um, but the drum line really helps bring the spirit. So we hope uh, uh, everybody comes out and helps, you know, see if they can be part of that crew.
2: Yeah, definitely an organization that if I was a little bit more <laughs> musically inclined or dancing inclined, I would be a part of it. But I'm not. I like to talk about football, which is why we're here. Uh, let's get into uh, game week because obviously there's a a new energy, I guess, at practice this week with them prepping for a game as opposed to you know going through progressions Uh, Mike McCarthy told us yesterday they're hoping to get through install seven and eight by Wednesday so that they can put a bow on it and be ready Mm -hmm. to play uh, for Jacksonville Uh, but there are a couple of changes and the first one I kind of wanted to talk about uh, that our producer Chris Bean mentioned, is the NFL referees being out here. Uh, We saw some laundry on the field yesterday at (laughs) practice. Uh, Hopefully we get that addressed before Saturday. But uh, if you could just kind of explain the importance or the significance, I guess, of having those NFL referees out here.
3: Well, the Cowboys have um, officials at every single practice, uh, whether it's OTAs, but they're normally local Uh, college or or high school officials, mostly college officials, but uh, it's very common the league has done this for many years now. Well, they will take the crews and send them to each of the NFL camps. They'll be there for two to three days. So uh, this week, the Cowboys have Sean Smith, referee Sean Smith's crew, and it's not just to be here at practice. They What they do is they do a presentation to the entire team. There's a video that is updated every year by the NFL that goes over specific rule changes. Uh, And then the officials answer any questions that uh, the players have. And then even more importantly, um, speaking with the coaches, because the coaches, what they want to know is how things are going to be called, what the officials are looking for so that the coaches can incorporate it into their uh, teaching that's the really important thing the coaches want consistency. How do you expect things to be called? Another thing Haley is there are points of emphasis Mm -hmm. every year. So it may not be a rule change, but you're going to see a lot of flags in preseason or um, early in the season because they're trying to emphasize things. Um, I think a lot of people know about the fair catch rule change that uh, you can uh, fair catch uh, between the end zone and the 25-yard line, and the ball will be placed at the 25 instead of the 20. The college rule. But but another thing this year is – Uh, launching in the past launching would be leaving your feet and hitting someone head for literally launching into a player think of a defender you know maybe a linebacker hit a safety hitting a tight end or a wide receiver coming across in the past that was defined as leaving both feet this year you can do, do it off of one foot and now it's considered launching Another uh, rule change, and this doesn't really apply to the Cowboys as much, think more of these RPO teams or like Jalen Hurts and his handoffs with the Eagles. Uh, Now there's more of an emphasis. They're making sure that the handoffs are behind, not parallel or in front of the quarterback. So um, that would be important for again maybe other offenses around the league less so with the Cowboys but still so uh, the one thing that I'm disappointed in is this is the second year that the officials have not been made available to the media at training camp yeah Uh, in the past they would always make a presentation to the media after practice we would watch the same video that's shown to the players we could ask uh, any questions that we had but um I'm not sure why, but this is the second year in a row that we haven't been able to do that. And I just wish they would so that um, because it's the it's the reporters that are, or the, the game day commentators that are shaping the, that are giving the information and the shaping the, perce- the perception of, of the public. And so if the announcers don't get it right, then the public is being misinformed or maybe not, you know, the NFL isn't getting the benefit of the doubt uh, because you know, we're misinterpreting something, so.
2: Yeah, it's, um, officiating I feel like is hard or just I guess the understanding of officiating is difficult because it's, it's up to interpretation ref by ref you know like some refs allow a little more yeah. some refs shouldn't be but that's human nature, human nature. Mm-hmm. um and so it, it would be nice to just kind of have a, a baseline you know for us to kind of understand that and and move forward but uh, we don't <laughs> get that opportunity <laughs> well for
3: everyone who complains about officials um i will pose the question haley you're going to represent okay the the fandom here okay on a on a grade of zero to a hundred What do you think would be a a normal rating for an official during a game? They're graded for every single play, okay? So maybe about 160 plays in a game, including special teams. So the back judge who's behind the safeties, who's way down the field, he's getting judged even if it's a handoff to a fullback for a one-yard gain. But the mechanics of everything – uh, what do you think, the 0 to 100, an A being 90 to 100, a B being 80 to 89, so forth, what is the number?
2: For the average referee?
3: For for the, that, that is the, the goal, that, that's the average for
2: all the officials? Um, the generous side of me wants to say a
3: B. So in the 80s, maybe I upper 80s? The, uh,
2: yeah, I would say mid-80s. Oh,
3: Mid eighties, you'd be on like double secret probation. Okay, it's it's in the mid to high nineties, which I know what because you watch games and there are a few, at least a few, yeah. what you think are egregious, and and sometimes you yeah. know the egregious ones they're pointed out. But yeah, it's it's usually about ninety six to ninety eight is a is a score, and so if you were if you were in the eighties, that would be um, grounds for removal. Well, I think only one uh, official is actually not. Uh, has been um, uh, relieved of their duties during the the, the season uh, for something like that, but yeah, it's it's actually in the mid to high nineties, so uh, we need to give credit where credit is Give them <laughs> grace. Give them grace.
2: In terms of Mike McCarthy now, because I know the conversation this season has been he's calling the plays he's converted it to this west coast style of offense um, with some of these rule changes how does that in your opinion affect Mike McCarthy's role or affect how they're running the offense no I, at all? It,
3: it shouldn't it shouldn't at all no none at all uh, not at all and the other thing is the rules apply evenly for all 32 teams so you know the same system similar things that are run around the league so no it it shouldn't I think it's just more um, like the the defenders again one foot and some of the other rule changes um let's see there are things with uh, tiebreakers. breakers um, we know about the numbers change right with uh, now zero mm-hmm. is allowed not on this team though <laughs> not on the. <it>. yeah, <laughs> we won't yeah see.
2: I've had a lot of people ask questions about if Demarvian Overshown is going to get to wear that number zero and keep the agent zero mm-hmm. um, and then Micah Since he wore it at Texas, it, so. yeah Micah and J-Ron were going back and forth about wearing it uh, we won't oh i just oh, do my pin we won't Speaking see of launching, <laughs> we won't see any zeros on this team
3: <laughs> the um, but the, it will be interesting to see with the uh, fair catch rule how the Cowboys are going to play that because one of the goals of preseason is evaluating the young players. And so the guys who are kind of on the margin there, the thing is uh, they're going to have to play special teams. And so you want to be able to see if they're able to effectively cover kicks and then, of course, the other team, they, you know, you want to see them on kick returns. So will there be anybody taking fair catches between the 25 and 20? Because you want to see um, coverage.
2: Yeah, I um, I remember when that rule first came out, the question was how it was going to affect Cavante Turpin. You know, are we going to get to see those electric returns that we got to see last year from him? Um but he's also been a guy that I've been very pleasantly surprised with. So he I am not a, concerned not one bit about Cavante yes. fitting on this team.
3: He has had a very solid camp at receiver, and it's not just uh, the jet sweep or it looks like it's a. He had specific packages last mm-hmm. year that he was involved in, and and we don't get. They're not showing everything it can. not They're certainly not going to show everything in the preseason game, but safe to say it will be uh, more expanded opportunities for Cavonte Turpin. this year. Yeah, show.
2: yeah, yeah. I've been very, very, very impressed mm-hmm. with him. Uh, we've got a few more minutes here in the second block. Uh, let's dive into the offensive line a little bit because we still haven't seen Zach Martin. I'm not sure if we will at this point in California. We're running mm-hmm. out of time. Uh, but the positives that Mike McCarthy has talked about is that, you know, it's given a lot of players an opportunity to see time and give giving them an opportunity to continue to shift around, figure out who works best there. Um, One of the things Mike did mention yesterday is that they're still working on the run blocking. Um, But just from your vantage point, this offensive line, what do you think we can expect on Saturday?
3: Yeah, um, well, you can see the young guys, uh, you know, I would obviously no Terrence Steele as he's still working back Uh, probably no Tyron Smith I don't I wouldn't play Tyler Biotish uh so I think we'll see uh a lot of uh Matt Farniak and Brock Hoffman and then Alec Lindstrom uh but you know let's see what Josh Ball does in a preseason game he's the one that's been playing right guard in place of Zach Martin uh first team um you know and and uh Idoga, uh, who was uh, signed in free agency, uh, will uh, likely start at left tackle. Uh, awesome Richards has been uh, playing uh, backup guard, so we'll see a lot of him. Uh, Matt Wiletsko, who we hadn't seen uh, a lot of. So uh, these are these are really golden opportunities for uh, these guys. Who in particular are you looking for? Let me ask you first. Yeah. Would you play Tyler Smith in the preseason this year?
2: See, I am under the... My thought process with the preseason is I don't want my starters playing the whole game, obviously, because that's ridiculous. But I would like to see some, um, you know a little bit of what we can expect from the roster. So I wouldn't mind seeing Tyler Smith. In fact, I would like it at least for a series or two, just to kind of get a feel um, of what to expect and to also have a little bit of support in an offensive line that has a lot of moving parts. I know it's preseason, but the best way, in my opinion, to prepare for that is to be as consistent as possible. Um, So I would like to see Tyler Smith. I'm okay with Tyron resting a little bit. I'm okay uh, with some of those other changes, but uh, I'm... I'm mostly looking forward to uh, the return of Zach Martin. Hopefully it's been kind of disappointing that we haven't seen oh. him out here uh, and it's feels like there's no motion. And so I think that's my biggest concern going into the season. What is it, $750,000 now? The way I. $50,000
3: a day. Yeah, the
2: way I equated it was every day that Zach is not here, he has purchased a very nice luxury car. Yes. And that is an insane thing to me to think about. Yeah.
3: And then Jerry Jones did speak with media uh, after practice yesterday coming off uh, the field and said, you know, basically they're treating it as if, you know, it's not here. It's, it's as if a player's injured and not here and you have to move forward. And so, uh, he said publicly what, you know, <laughs> you know, some of us have been hearing and, uh, but I, I'm surprised, frankly, because, uh, I remember the first, the girls talk, boys talk that we did just a few days into camp said, I'm not worried. Cause you know, you'll, you'll miss, you know, maybe four or five days and mm-hmm. then be out here. And, and here we are like, worried. <laughs> But, uh, you know, great opportunities. Let's see what Josh Ball, um, you know, does in the game and and see if he can uh, put on the field in preseason what we've seen so far on the practice field.
2: Yeah, I agree. Nothing like the an opportunity like this to really kind of solidify your spot. So. We'll little shaky there for Zach Martin, but we'll see what the rest of that offensive line looks like. Let's go ahead and, and take our second break. But when we come back on Girls Talk, Boys Talk, we'll dive in a little bit more about this matchup with the Jaguars and who we are looking forward to seeing on the field on Saturday.
1: At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys.
0: You know that sound anywhere. It's the crisp crunch of that first nacho chip with its perfect cheese to sour cream ratio sitting atop a layer of delicious beans
2: final few minutes here on girls talk boys talk presented by jigsaw and you can join us at the miller lighthouse at AT at&t stadium on october 7th and 8th for world-class barbecue oh this is speaking my language (laughs) from pit masters across the country all enjoying live entertainment and libations at q barbecue fest in dallas this october the only thing hotter than the dallas cowboys will be thirty thousand pounds of brisket chicken pulled pork and ribs smoking at the miller lighthouse when some of the biggest names in barbecue come together at the q barbecue fest tickets are on sale now at seatgeek.com the official ticketing provider of at&t stadium (laughs) i know where i'll be on august october 7th and 8th (laughs) that whole thing just got me so 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 excited i love you some barbecue all right, Christy, we got a few more minutes here on Girls Talk, Boys Talk. The Cowboys have their first game of the preseason coming up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who, or I guess, what position are you kind of putting a spotlight on that you're most paying attention to? Because there's still a lot of position battles going on right now. Still a lot of guys trying to solidify their spot, as we talked about. So going into this game, what are you most looking forward to?
3: Well, um, at safety, Wanye Thomas and Marquise Bell have gotten increased opportunities. Uh, Donovan Wilson still sidelined with a, a calf injury, and I don't know if you're going to play uh, Malik Hooker. or You know, I, I don't yeah. need to, I don't need to see Jaron Curse and Malik Hooker. No. And if they play, please let it be just one <laughs> one series. But but um, it's not just how a guy like Wanye Thomas who um second year player was on practice squad last year that they perform on defense but how they're utilized in special teams so the way to know if the coach is like a young guy and if he's uh has a real chance to make the 53 man roster is how they move up the depth chart on special teams right and so um when a guy like Malik Davis, running back last year, when he's getting reps as the personal protector mm-hmm. and the like, then that tells you, hmm, here's a young guy that, that they like and, and has a chance to maybe, if not the 53, the practice squad. And then, of course, Malik ends up being a contributor towards the end of the year last year. So that, um, I can't wait to see wide receiver and uh, see if the Jalens can can carry <laughs> There's over. There's so many Bur- of them I Bur- can Brooks and Tolbert. Um, <laughs> You know, see if, if they can carry over uh, to preseason action what they put on the field here. So yeah. those are a few that pop into mind. And I know we talked earlier about Deuce Vaughn and um, Overshone, but who are you looking at?
2: I'm excited about the Jalens, and I'm excited about all three of them. Tolbert, Cropper, and Jalen Brooks. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. With Jalen Brooks, I've been very high on him, you know, since we drafted him. I had a chance to kind of talk to him off to the side, again, at rookie minicamp, um, and Jalen Brooks is a guy who is not unfamiliar to kind of carving his own path in a new environment. He has been played, I think, at four different colleges uh, throughout his career uh, before finally getting to South Carolina, seventh round draft pick. Um, But I actually went back and watched my interview with him the other day, and uh, I didn't notice it at the time, but he is so on. If that makes yes, sense, he, he, he gets it. He, he understands it. <laughs> his strengths. Yeah. He understands what he brings to the table. And I know a lot of players say, oh, I'm versatile, right? But he knows what he's versatile at. And and you've seen it out here on the field. He's made some of the best catches. I think some contested catches that have been really impressive. Um, we joked last week, I've been calling him kind of a baby pony. Cause I think he's still kind of coming into his body a little bit and just kind of refining, um, those movements getting a little bit more into what it's like to be an NFL wide receiver, but uh, I'm really excited for him, but I'm also very proud of Jalen Tolbert because he was very open and very honest about how last year was a struggle for him and why it was a struggle for him. Uh, He had a hard time connecting with Dak Prescott. He had a hard time learning the playbook coming from South uh, Alabama. Um, And so to know that he was frustrated and wanted to be better last year. It went into the off season, made it a priority to get to know Dak, to spend time with him in the Dak yard, Mm -hmm. um, to work with some of the other wide receivers and the tight ends this summer. You see all of that now here on the practice field. So not only am I excited for Jalen Tolbert, but I'm really proud of him as well. Um, And then Jalen Cropper uh, Mm -hmm. is a guy who, Mm -hmm. if I'm honest, I, I didn't really know much about him coming into camp and, after day one of practice at camp, you almost had to learn more about him because he's a fantastic kid. I actually – um, chatted with his family yesterday in the hospitality suite um, and their family is mostly 49ers fans. They have a couple of Cowboys fans in the family and so they were really excited, but I was talking to his dad and he's like, yeah, you know the only way that we're going to root for the Cowboys is, is for a situation like this so we're really happy. We're really excited for him to be here, but he's also a guy who's very speedy, very shifty, and he's made some really great catches as well. He's done a lot of the CD where he's tried to yes. grab him one handed. Yes. I can't wait for him to bring one of
3: them yeah. down yeah he's he is he has shown flashes here mm-hmm. and that's that's what you have to do as a rookie to you know, from fresno state by the way so california guy. fighting Duran blands yeah. yeah, baby so they uh, yeah <laughs> from northern california so and it is fun to see the the families here and yeah. to get to visit with them but yes uh all three of those jalens you know mature you know um and and to your point about jalen brooks Start. He's from outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, and began his college career at Wingate. Mm-hmm. So, and then comes to Texas to play at Tarleton State, and then COVID wipes out uh, the season, and then lands at an SEC school at, at South Carolina. But so mature and and well spoken. So. Yeah, you that's the thing. We we get to visit with these young guys and you you really pull for them and the the good news is that the um one of the positive things that came out of COVID, even though it wiped out a lot of college seasons, it gave guys uh, an extra year yeah. or two to stay in school and these young guys that are coming in really the last 3 seasons a little bit older. Not necessarily I mean some are still 21 years old, but but just just more mature Um, an extra year or two in college to refine their skills Um, those who are in big programs you know with expansive playbooks and the like you know so it's it's not so overwhelming um, as some of these young small school guys who have a um, more catching up to do. Yeah
2: let's let's talk about Deuce Vaughn too I, I it cracks me up anytime he gets the ball because the you mentioned he's a fan favorite the fans here have been calling him the people's choice oh yeah so every time he gets the ball there's a specific group and they're always like ah Deuce Vaughn you're the people's choice um but to me and I love Deuce I love how the Cowboys will hopefully incorporate him into the offense but uh as we've seen with the pads it's not going to be easy for him I mean I think there was a video that went out yesterday um of him trying to block DeMarcus (laughs) Lawrence And Tank just kind of like, scoop, goodbye. Uh, I mean, if you're Deuce, how do you fight through that? How do you stay confident in knowing that you can still contribute on the team? Well, (laughs) Demarcus Lawrence does that to a lot of people. Yes.
3: (laughs) And not just guys who are listed at 5'6". Sometimes I I'm still don't believe that because yeah. you shouldn't be looking eye to eye uh, with a, a running back. But, yeah, and, and it, it doesn't matter what your your size is. You're still a human speed bump when sure. you're trying to pick up uh, someone rushing off the, the edge or coming right up the A-gap. But he just, I'll say what the coaches say, he just has to use his leverage. The thing is he's already low the leverage. So he's, yeah. he's hard yeah. for everyone to yeah. see. Him. Yeah, um, but, you know at the same time that also works to your advantage Mm -hmm. you know what what hurts you as a blocker can help you because you hear the defenders saying we we can't he's hard to find we can't see him you know behind the behind the line I joke I joked with uh, coach McCarthy yesterday and said they need to bring back the Landry shift, not just to kneel down <laughs> in the victory formation at the end but when the linemen go up and come back down that's what they did uh, under coach Landry and what it did when the linemen did that that's when Tony Dorsett would move um pre-snap and so um it basically was hiding the running backs in the formation from the defense so I'm not saying that McCarthy (laughs) said oh that's a good idea I'm not saying he's going to use it but whatever I think he was just he was just humoring me but wouldn't that be hilarious yeah no it would and then if you did it they're like oh they're gonna run it to deuce and then you just pop pop it over the top at at that point but yeah yeah it's it, it, it's tough, but the, the thing is, um, and t- I did talk with Jeff Blasco, the running backs coach, about this, um, because one thing that Mike McCarthy had said in one of his early press conferences here at camp was some of the changes with his offense. It, it has to do with the pass protection of the tight ends and the running backs. So, um, But then he moved on to another topic, so I went to Coach Blasco, and I said, "This is what he said. Can you explain to me and uh, what it means specifically for the running backs?" And he said, "It has to do more with their releases. Um, you know, if they once they've blocked or if no one's coming and they release mm-hmm. quickly. That's called skippy, by the way. If you want a new new <laughs> West can. Coast term. Um, but but it has to do more with that. But the main thing is Deuce, very studious, very smart." knows what to do. And most importantly, is very willing to do it. So
2: that's the biggest (laughs) is that you can tell he has heard this his whole life. He's embracing it. Uh, And he has a positive attitude. I love that. Not all running
3: backs want to do the dirty work of, of the blocking. And, the uh, you know, even, even when you're running and carrying out your assignment, that's what Zeke was, was great at doing the dirty work and never complaining about it. So if you don't do your part, exactly how you're supposed to do it, you know, carry a defender with you, then they're going to slough off and, you know, maybe intercept a pass or make a play on one of your teammates.
2: Well, that, Christy, is all the time that we have here on Girls Talk, Boys Talk today. But I always appreciate your insight. It always goes so fast. It always (laughs) goes so fast. But I love getting to pick your brain and just kind of learn from you. So I'm excited for your radio call on Saturday. Thanks, I'll see
3: you on the
0: sidelines Saturday
2: afternoon. (laughs) All right, well, that'll do it for this edition of Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw. We will see you guys on Thursday.
1: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this,
2: Cowboys?